What better way to listen to the Stay Woke podcast than listen to it wearing a Stay Woke or Wokest t-shirt? From royaltyshop.bigcartel.com. My personal favorite is the red and white one. So head over to royaltyshop.bigcartel.com to get one today. Again, that's royaltyshop.bigcartel.com. You're now tuned into the hottest podcast in the world, the Stay Woke Podcast, right here on the sonicbreakdown.com. Man, it's time to wake up. Time to wake up. Get this cake up. Get this cake up. Only thing I care about is switching. Welcome back to another Stay Woke Podcast. This is D-Ray Brinson. And you know the Stay Woke Podcast is presented by thesonicbreakdown.com. So go over to thesonicbreakdown.com and check an article out there. So let's get right into it. Today we're going to take you back, way back, way, 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 way back to October 12th, 1999. It was cold like it is now. I don't know, maybe colder. I don't know. Depends on where you are. East Coast, definitely cold. It was most likely colder, for yeah. sure. So uh, think about that time, that day, was the debut of most deaths, Black on Both Sides. Man. That was released by Rockish Records um, at that time. And all I got to say is the sound, the the feel of it was different than we felt in hip-hop and, for a long time, maybe ever at that point, for me at least, um, it was a hip. It was a mixture of a hip hop versus alternative hip hop, conscious hip hop, different sounds, blending genres. Not that this was the first time the genres were blended, but they just seemed very unique in a way. Um, so let's take it back to that time for another take it back segment with D Ray and DJ William West. What's up, bruh? Thank you for having me back, man. I nah. love this. I love this segment. So yeah, we I know this is one of your favorite albums. So today of all time, of all time. As as you got from the intro, we're gonna talk about most deaths, black on both sides. Like the first the first let's go to the title. Black on both sides. The first thing that came to my mind when I first heard that title, and thinking about it now in retrospect, is when you give somebody dap and back in the nineties, you know, give me dap on the black hand side. And he's basically saying, like, I don't, there is no other side to me. I'm black all around. Like, it just felt like it, this whole album was a celebration of being black, hip-hop, just an embodiment of that. And then you have the cover with a black man, darker-skinned black man, at, you know, as the forefront with a black cover behind it. Like, again, expressing that black on both sides, black all around. Like, I, I'm unapologetically black, and I'm proud of it. Um, that just feel, and that's even before you even... Press play. Yeah. Take take us back to to your initial feelings of uh when when this album came out and like what do you, what even how how you got into it? Overall, it's soulful hip hop. This is what like like this defines real lovely soul with, mixed with gritty hip hop. It's just that perfect blend, and that's what like that's what I see from 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 the beginning, and from looking at this cover. I remember seeing this cover in the source uh, in the source magazine. Mm. And it was just like that. It's a plain it's a plain cover of most death's face. And what I saw in it is just straight pride. Pride of hip hop, pride of being yourself. And on top of that, it's it, it's it's you know, proud of being black. Yeah. Black empowerment. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and me being Latino, me being super white, light skinned. <laughs> you know what I mean? At first Casper over here. <laughs> I'm I'm not even gonna lie. At first when I when I first didn't even hear the album yet and I saw all the promotion out there in the streets, posters, uh magazines of course, I thought it was gonna be a preachy album. 
that's where I got that. That that was the first initial. That's what the marketing told you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But once I dove into it and listened to it, I was like, oh man. I mean, I I, I don't. I never expected that out of most Def to begin with. Mm. Um, but just just that just how it was promoted and how I saw it, how I viewed the whole uh, promotion behind it, it was that it was gonna be a preachy album. Um, but it's it, it's far from that. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and and that's just a different perspective. And then of course, you know, uh, I, I was also at a young a younger age. This is high school. Um, I saw this once. I started listening to it. It just takes you to to, to New York. It takes you to mm, Brooklyn. Yeah, it's this very, album takes you there. Yeah, it's it's one of those portal albums that yeah. can take you from anywhere you live at. You can be in Alaska and you listen to this. It'll take you to where you want to be, which is New York, Brooklyn. Man, train stations, stoops, streets, bus stops. Yeah, walking walking through Brooklyn. It, it definitely has, sonically, it has all the properties um, that you would associate with New York. But when, but usually when you say that, it, it, it might sound like you're pigeonholing the album because there's so many different sounds on this album. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so many different. And like, we'll get into that. Like sure. themes and feelings. Yeah, that we'll definitely get into a little bit later. I just wanted to just point that out, but it definitely has. New York energy, atmosphere, feel, while still giving a diverse sound and, and um, emotional range um, on this album. So, shit, let's get right into it. First, actually, before we get right into it, I want to just point out some of the key producers, and then we'll point out um, them as we go through the album. Yeah, but yeah. Some of the key producers on the album, of course, you have Most Death that did a lot of the instrumentations that uh, you were telling me earlier uh, yeah. that we're talking about. The off- bass, congas, drums, percussions, keyboards even. Yeah, and then if you know much about Mos Def, he learned the guitar later. I'm not sure if it was as a result of him uh, taking up the Chuck Berry role in Cadillac Records or that was already a passion that he had prior. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that kind of helped with that role. Then you have Diamond D, 88 Keys, DJ Premier, Adetoli. Tola. Tola, I'm sorry. Uh, yep. D Prosper. Um, and then A Tribe Called Quest. Woo, Ali, man. Ali. Uh, Beat Nuts as well. Um, yeah, Psycho Less. Yeah, so this album is deep with quality, quality, great producers. So that just tells you alone that the sounds are there. So let's get right into it with the yeah. intro track or the first song of the album, Fair No Man, uh, Fair Not of Man. You were telling me that uh, when you first was listening to it that you kind of would just skip that track. Yeah, I always, uh, when I first got this album, mm-hmm. uh, yes, I was at a younger age, I would skip it because I would skip intros a lot. Just, my, I guess my attention wasn't wasn't there, uh, for, for, you know, gotcha. off the bat. But I would always skip it. I, w- I, w- I would check the beginning of it, of course, like the first, you know, few seconds, 10 seconds, uh, and then skip right into um, Hip Hop, which is the next track. Mm. And I always thought that that was the first track of the album, but it's not. This is actually a real track. Yeah. But it's more of him just kind of talking. And it's setting. It's setting the tone. Yeah, it's setting the tone. It, it's because, like you said, if you and it went over my head. Yeah. Like if you I, listen was, to the contents of that's what I wanted to get into is the contents of uh, "Fear Not of Man," and that just the title alone kind of has a religious theme to it. In essence, well, not in essence. In in actuality, it does have a religious theme to it, as well as that he answers the question that a lot of people have and comes up all the time in hip hop is hip hop dead what's going on with hip hop uh what's going what's the future of hip hop and he he gives us what he deems is the answer 
the hip hop is going to be as well as we are. The people that are pushing the culture are because hip hop is us. The culture is yeah. It's 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 a it's a movement. It's a it's a it's it's a culture. It's it's just all it's a it's more than just words. It's more than just music. It's more than just sound. It's it embodies so much more that it is upon us to carry it on, continue it, push it forward. And if we're doing well, so will hip hop do be doing well. He's um, telling he's telling us to look at hip hop in a different way. Yeah, in a different light. Not a music genre, but it is like he said, it's it's tangible. It's us. It is the people. So think of it that way. And it's don't get don't get it twisted with something in the hills. Like he even said that in the in the beginning, he mentions that hip hop isn't something that is just something big in the hills or far away. Yeah, it's not a giant that people have seen. It's yeah. it's it's some it's like it's a literal it's it's here, it's now, it's, it's present. Us. It's 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 kind of it's it's kind of it's kind of going back to the religious theme. It's kind of omnipotent in that aspect because it's everywhere all the time as long as you allow it to be. Um and then we get right into hip hop which um, I just want to before we go to the next on hip hop. I just want to touch on that from the beginning. That's why I I never skipped it because it felt like it was a celebration of hip hop, and then you get to hip hop, yeah. and then it's really like it's it's like the the first track is a celebration of hip hop, and, and then the second one is saying I'm gonna show you why why hip hop is doing just fine. Like it's I'm I'm gonna show you why we're celebrating it on this first one. Yeah, um, that's how I took it anyways. Let's let's just talk about hip hop, man. I mean, I feel like we could talk I about hip hop all day. Like that that track, it just it's it is hip hop. It is what it's I the love title. This song. It's classic feel. Just there's no there's no ambiguity about that song. There's no guessing. Is this a hip hop song? Is this a rap? No, it is hip hop. He defines what hip hop is in this track. He talks about hip hop lyrically and with the sound, like yeah. on every aspect. It just it embodies hip hop, man. One of my favorite lines. My restlessness is my nemesis. It's hard to really chill and sit still. And then it goes on from there. But that's one of my favorite lines. Like, that's the other thing about Mo's death, though, is that he always gives you lines and lyrics, and it always has so much meaning to it. But at the same time, it just feels like it's effortless, though. Man. Just his delivery is slow. Like, it's 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 a walk in the park for him. And off this, off the top... This song, which is the second song, but to me, it's it's always been the first song. Mm-hmm. I love his, how do I say it? It's like, I love his delivery. He's a smooth dude, mm. but he gives you pockets of just crazy energy. Like his, 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 his sometimes he, he yells or screams. Mm-hmm. Uh, he puts emphasis on, on, on bars and lines. He sets the tone for himself too in this first track, uh, talking about hip hop on top of that. That's what I love, and I take away from this track because he actually goes up and down in 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 energy in this track. Yeah, he's yelling. He has. He just it's just overall so much passion. That's why I love Most Death. Like this is the album that sold me on Most Death. Then I went into the other catalogs, uh, the the Black Star and everything else, all the ruckus stuff. Mm. You name it, sound bombing, lyricist lounge, all of that. Yeah. But this album is is like. What defines that? That most that's death. what opened up the gates for you for, oh, for yeah. most death. Oh yeah. Um, I'll say I, I definitely have to agree with you. This opened up the gates for me for most death as well. I knew about him. It's not he wasn't foreign, but it's I never uh, I guess gave him the the true listening that he deserved. Um, yeah. I guess would be the best the best way to to put it. 
And then, like, as we always say, like, it opens up doors and passages to other things because, again, I knew about Talib Kweli, but that opened up the door to Talib Kweli even more. Then that opened up the door to high tech. And then that opened up the door to it just, you know, to finding out different producers and then finding out different artists and just um, going down that line. And that really, I'll say, um, guided my my hip-hop journey because I'll say prior to that, it was very hip-hop or East Coast-oriented, but it was more... Uh, hardcore, I guess, like Onyx, uh, Wu-Tang, Redman, a little less on the uh, conscious, more uh, black hippie <laughs> hippie vibe now. Um, so message that, music. Yeah, message music. So that kind of opened that door for me in, in that regard. So I'm very appreciative to this album as a result oh, yeah. of that. Oh, yeah. And, the, and of course, those artists were always around. Most Def mm-hmm. was always around. But I really feel that from all the albums prior to me to getting to all those other projects, this is the one where he's by himself. Yeah. Because all the music that I've been listening to with Most Def that I truly loved back in the days, during that 1996 through 1998 kind of era, he was always featured on something mm. or it was always with somebody else. It would be a song with Pharrell Monch, it would be Common yeah. or The Roots or somebody, you know what I mean? Like it, it's just that whole, this album really kind of gave me more of a, uh, uh, I was... What's the word? I'm sorry. I look for it. It's, it's a like a window into to his artistic. I mean, for me, it was a, a window into his artistic. To his like, I knew him artistically, as you were saying, but it really broke down him more and gave us a, a deeper peek into him as an artist. Um, it was more out of curiosity for you. It was more to, out of curiosity to check in. What is Most Def by himself all about? Mm. That's that's what got that gravitated me to this album and most definitely and then forever from there it took off like i yeah i'm, and a, I'm a most deaf fan yeah most deaf forever most deaf forever or as uh, or as he is now referred to as yasin bay but forever most I, deaf. I, I knew him as most deaf his mama called him most deaf i'm gonna call him most deaf <laughs> he was most deaf from the beginning we gonna keep it that way i respect the new name change though i ain't mad no, at no, him. no i do too but I want I want to go to the next one of love because it, it and just as as we're talking about this now it really broke down how the layout of this album was well done as well because the intro led into the hip hop and then hip hop is kind of the celebration of hip hop and then that carries into his love for hip hop and where that love began and how that love was fostered you know it's really telling a story in the the chronological order that they have it yeah um with it, and then they have stories Good within flow. the stories yeah and love. Love is just, it really embodies that of love of hip-hop. It it gives you a nice feeling. It gives you a nice uh, atmosphere that it creates with this particular song. I am I am interested in to see, when I heard it, I didn't take it as a typical love song, which I don't know if you took it as that no. when you went. But I, but I got if, it from the bat. Yeah, it felt like it was, you know, building off of uh, Commons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and... I'm not sure if I got that the first time I listened to it. I don't know. I don't remember. I can't say I remember, but I know re-listening to it, because this is an album I do go to often, that that is what always pops into my head is comments I used to love her. Because it came first. Yeah. Yeah. I love how he, he goes over just overall the umbrella of what love kind of trickles into, you know, the, the different uh, parts of love, love in life, love with your family. And then he dives into just 
love for the music. Yeah, you know how I mean? it's multifaceted. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Breaking down the 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 or like the the meaning of the word, and then breaking it down to specifics of what it means to him in hip hop. Yeah, and that's a common thing that you see with most deaf. Um, and I think I I don't, I don't want to say this for a fact, but I get some of that feeling with Mick Jenkins with the waters and and um how he did with love our uh his spread love album so i just it's just interesting how you can see other influences possibly um because of course most stuff was way before mick jenkins yeah but and mick jenkins is a hip-hop historian so i'm i know he knows uh about the wordplay and and t- uh, history of most stuff. he's had to have at least heard this album yeah ten, so 10 times yeah <laughs> I say at least at least thirty. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about this particular track, love? Man, because I know next one is, uh, yeah. We'll build up the anticipation on that one. Yeah, because that is forever the classic, um, and what it's known for on this album. Um, nah, I mean it is what it is. Uh, I I love. I'm gonna go over a few lines, and I don't want to like you know mess up his lines but you know i'll just read it you know just to read it hey, there's no mess up it's all love it's all love we, we it's a love you know and appreciation saying? so um my pop said he was in love when he made me thought about it for a second it wasn't hard to see <laughs> <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you listen to the podcast enough you know i will pick that line <laughs> no but uh that's the other thing that i do appreciate about most that uh that I think goes kind of underrated and unnoticed is his his humor and his wit that isn't it's it's in your face but you have to really like look to 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 catch those lines not even catch those lines but catch the wit and the and the 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 light humor behind it not even light humor the humor behind it but you have you have another line from that track or because I'm ready to go into number do number it. four let's do it your favorite. No, it's not, I, no, it's not my favorite, but it, it is what is when every time I think of this favorite. album, when I think of this album, the visual pictures that come to my mind is this video. It was the first really my introduction into this album. Again, it just the thing that caught me about this song in particular, and then I'll get to actually I'm, I'm gonna go actually and reverse that. Scratch that. Reverse that little Willy Wonka reference if you if you if you get it out there. Uh, Nobody got that. Scratch that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, no, but uh, I'll talk about the video first. The thing that got me about the video was the fact that the graffiti writing—I won't say which is something new, but it's just the black and white or uh, Sephora tint or whatever. Yeah. Um, that as well as the way that they shot it, the angles that they picked, like white sepia. Yeah, sepia. The um, zooming in, zooming out. The the, it just didn't feel like your typical video angles. It felt more. It felt more like a movie. It felt more like a um, artistic screenplay, um, cinematography wise. And then the hilarity, the storytelling abilities of most deaf um, lyrically content, and then you add on the production that gives you this kind of upper beat feel, but still with a slower cadence. So it's like you're like. Am I up or, or <laughs> you know, it, but it still had a mellow mid-range. vibe to it. Yeah. So like, it was like, it's in the mid range, but it's like the pitch of, of some of the sounds gives you that, that upper feel 
while it, the slower cadence gives you that mellow feel, kind of giving you a, a, a different balance. And all of that just, for me, came together and it fit sonically for me. And it was like, wow, this is so different. It just felt so different. It felt so new. It felt exciting. And I don't know, for me, like, lyrically in hip-hop, I was like, yes, I like this direction. I like where yeah. things are going. I, li- I want to see, like, what this then opens the doors for moving forward. And, and that's just the feeling that I get. Um, when I hear this and in the DJ world, this song is like slow. This is a slow song, but that's me, what I'm saying. But, but people is not, it's but like, people played in the clubs and, and, and parties yeah. and shit. Like as if it, <laughs> if it's if, like, if it's one of those fast club bangers, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's, that's a, that, that's a better way of explaining yeah, it. BPM wise, uh, beats per minute. The speed of the song is, is what that is, um, is not in the high range, but it's a slower track, but it has that perfect just blend of energy that keeps your attention yeah. because you're listening to the song. Everybody knows the words yep. and everybody knows the story. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Miss Fat Booty right yep. here, man. <laughs> Miss Fat Booty. This song, and, and to go back to the video, it's so dope how the lyrics, the concept of the song, and the video go together so well. I say that. I know it sounds basic or practical, but... That's we, not always the case. It's not always, always the case. You get You get the lyrics, you get the storytelling that goes one way, and the other way is the video, and they they don't even like touch at all. And I just love how this just comes together. And a lot of Mos Def's projects and his songs are you can tell they're just well thought out. They're nothing's rushed. This is a this is art that we're putting together, and, and we 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 are passionate about it. Yeah. And that's what gravitates me to Mos Def because he's so passionate about everything he writes, everything he creates, everything he creates. all the visuals. His his it, name, any artwork, small any stuff art form. to bigger stuff. Yeah. You know, what I mean, the fine details to the bigger stuff. Um, and again, we're talking about Miss Fat Booty, Miss Fat Booty. This song, man, Miss Fat Booty. Let them know who the producer was. Ayatollah, one of Fat. the dopest producers of all time. He did a lot of the early uh, ruckus stuff. So a lot of a lot of stuff that you know, for all those who are uh, ruckus records fa- fanatics, that's everybody from. Talib Kweli, Shabam Sadiq, uh, Mostef, Blackstar, High Tech, uh, and the list goes on of that whole era made this beat, and it's just so good. And he that for this soul sample too. That yeah, soul that, sample. that sample I was just about to mention it. That sample was from Aretha Franklin. Yep. Aretha Franklin, yep. uh, One Step Ahead, that was released in 1965. So that's where you get that soul feel, and then when you add those drums uh, and and then complete the production out. It just it's it was a great combination. Everything was needed and nothing is missing. Uh, to me, that's that kind of embodies that. And again, so going back real quick, so the this is the video that introduced me to the album. So that's what made me get into this album. Oh yeah, for sure. And and after that, I never looked back. I know the next track is I think is is a high on your list as well. Um, Speed Law, right? Oh yeah, Speed Law. Now, what I have to say for Speed Law for me is. Production-wise and sound-wise, it has a. It feels like a, a old western. If hip hop were to make an old western, like this would kind of be the the type of production that they would have on it. Um, just the the feel of it. That's that's what I get from it. What about you for production-wise? Production-wise is one of the hardest beats on this album, mm-hmm. and this is the track that defines. Most deaf as a lyricist. When I say lyricist, he goes in. Mm. This is his bars song. Like he's talking his shit. He's talking his his MC shit on this on this song 
um, by itself. Uh, Speed Law. Yeah, it's a braggadocious record. Oh yeah, like, yeah, like he goes in. He's yeah. This is the track where he's like, I'm gonna let y'all know I got these bars. <laughs> I got these bars and they and they're always ready. Don't get me twisted. <laughs> I'm not a sleepy rapper. I, I'm not a soft bubble bath rapper making that smooth music for your candlelit dinner. Like that's not most deaf. Like most deaf will will rap around you. Yeah, I keep these bars loaded up. So 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 they always ready. Running circles around cats on this uh, on this track alone. Um, I was trying to look for some some lyrics. But and 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 what I wanted to say is again going back to the progression of the album. You have Miss Fat Booty, which is kind of a guy that's a little bit too thirsty. And then you got Speed Law telling him, "Hey, y'all need to slow it down." Like so, it's even though it's not, you know, what I'm saying, even though it's not Relax. directly related, yeah, it still makes sense and it has a thematic theme to it that you can you can have a correlation with, um, which I, I just thought was uh, again another interesting note of again, you know, you you this this thirsty dude, and then they're like, "All right, next track, you need to slow it down, bro. <laughs> You're a little too fast right there." The next track, Do It Now, definitely has that 90s, um, that, that early 90s feel, that early golden age of rap 90s feel uh, that has that energy, that kind of... This, this track, to me, I'm, I'm not going to lie, it, listening to it over again in preparation for this podcast, it felt like um, something that I said about... Um, Another album this year that came out um, where I said it felt like it should have been a Schoolboy Q album. This production felt like it was more suited to Busta Rhymes than it felt like it was to Most Def. Yeah, you can you can really tell that. Yeah, but it but it that doesn't mean Most Def did his thing on this, but it just felt like this production. Like if if let's say I was an executive producer and we having productions out on the table and they saying okay, divvy these productions out to the artist. That production, I'd have been like, oh, that goes to Busta. <laughs> this goes to Busta. Yep. All right. Um, other tracks, like Umi Says, goes to most. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that that's just one of the things that I, I took note when I was um, going back with this album. Yeah, this sounds like a song that was produced for uh, Busta Rhymes, and then probably Busta Rhymes told, hey, so somebody, let me get most deaf on it. It was That's that's the type of feel that I get from the uh, from the track. Both of them go in lyrically on this one. I like how they just they play off each other. The energy is there, and the energy is up the whole song. I love this song, man. Yeah, the entire song. It's um. You gotta do it. Do it now. And that and this reminded me of something that I brought up before about going back and forth. Uh, that I liked with uh, Run the Jewels. And that's one of the things that I liked about Run the Jewels' first album is the fact that they went back and forth. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Run the Jewels two. Actually, I'm sorry that they go back and forth. So that's. So that is something that I did like, and you are absolutely right. The energy does not stop. It's it's from throughout there. From the beat there. to the lyrics. Yeah. From the beat to the lyrics, it does not stop. Uh, what does he say? I like it because he speaks Spanish. Hey, Mos Def speaks uh, good Spanish. He also did a, a, a whole track in Spanish. On, um, what was that? Uh, it was Tony Touch's album. No, but he also did. He also did it on that album where it's red in the back and somebody's jumping through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't think. Of, I can see the cover, but I can't see the, I don't the, remember the, the name. name. Uh, what does he say? He goes, Ay Dios mios, me and Buster Remo, the hottest Negroes in Los Estados Unidos. Hotter than Reno when discovered by Big Z Siegel. I'm black like I'm black like Don Cheeto, shouting power for the people. Man. That line reminds me as well as I don't think there's not one track where he doesn't give some black empowerment, some um nod to either civil rights activist, leader, 
something that that is that again touches on what the title says black on both sides that uh, i'm proud of my blackness and every track has something that that indicates that or celebrates that uh blackness like in that line um it'll be black a, it, yeah. Don Cheadle. it'll be uh nonchalantly or also up front, front too yeah yeah, yeah cause, um which i it's think subtle was, and also not which subtle. i think is important um yeah. very important yeah yeah Excuse me. The next one is. This is how you get got. I just want to touch on this song in particular because something that you brought up, uh, again, listening to this, uh, one of our friends uh, who uh, passed away, um, this was their favorite song, uh, or one of their favorite songs off the album. Oh, yeah. Uh, Miguel. So we want to give a shout out to him, R.I.P., bro. Yeah, rest in peace to Miguel, man. He's He was a young scholar. I would say he was a young scholar when we was in high school. And he, I would say, he he brought the energy. He gave me energy to look into Mos Def by Mos Def by himself. So I, I would actually give him credit to push me to who who pushed me into buying this album. Um, when we were when we were kids, when we were in high school, he put the headphones on. And he goes, "You gotta listen to this track." And the track that I listened to, the first song that I listened was to, was "Got." Uh. He goes, "You go, you gotta listen to this song." The beat is hard, but listen to the song. Listen to what he's he's saying in this song. And uh, I just want to say, me and Miguel used to have you know great hip hop discussions about cannabis, about Nas. Oh yeah, big um, cannabis fan, just like me. Yeah, I remember having when that Nas. Four Horsemen uh that track came out. I remember pss, having long ass discussions about that. But um, and and it's kind of um sad because. I honestly believe that you know if if he was here, like we'd be going he defi- in. We definitely, he definitely, I definitely would have wanted to have him on the podcast. We definitely would have had a conversation, and I think it would have been this album. yeah, definitely about this album at, at the least. Oh yeah, um, and knowing as big of a hip hop head as he was, he would love to be on it and, and just talk about it because we just had great dis- we had discussions like this off mic just talking to, because that's how yeah. much we loved it. Yeah. yeah. This so. album defines that time, man. That time. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I just want to, again... Freshman year. Shout out to Miguel, man. Uh, and shout out to his family. We miss you, bro. One time, one time. Yeah. Um, I want to go into the next track, Umi Says. There's, there, there's not enough. First of all, I want to tell everybody out there to go back to um, our past podcast because we did have a section where we did talk about Umi Says on a way, way back podcast um, in our early days, I think of our first first year doing the podcast. But um, Umi Says is one of those tracks uh, that it's just, it's it's another one of those tracks that if you were to put, it has to be in one of the hip-hop top 10 to 20 tracks of all times. It had to, for, for, shit, for me it is. It has to be up there because of the production, the words, the talk sounds, the... The feeling, the vibe. Um, tell them why. Tell there's, them why. there's, there's so many things with this album for me. Um, one, production-wise, it just feels motivating. The, the, the mellowness of the mellowness of the production gives you a laid-back feel that kind of draws you in in a um, sort of hypnotizing fashion of like lulling you to sleep, and, and gives you that hypnotizing fashion where you don't even realize like, ah, oh, damn, the song's over, but because you so just you want it to continue, you don't realize that. And then what I do. Mm-hmm. I play it again. Yep. Replay. That's, that's how strong this song is. It's like when when it's done, oh, shit, I got to play it again. Yeah. No matter. Because no, you didn't want it to finish. Yeah, you didn't want it to finish. It's um, so good. The drums just propel you and carry you through effortlessly. And 
and then most deaf singing is effortless as well because again it feels all as one of the to me everything together it, it meshes so well together that nothing necessarily stands out or it's taken away it just feels complete to me i guess would be the best way to put it um again it is propelling black empowerment black people he says it my black people you know just pushing saying you know and he just it's, repeats it's it. kind of a chant saying like to and that's why kind of this is not a song that, this is a chant that it kind of adds to that hematizing thing that i was talking about when you the way that he says it and the way that it fits in the beat it doesn't even feel like it's words anymore it's just it's all one thing and that's kind of how they how hematism works is you know you're taking your eye your 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 mind's not focusing on what's actually the message and the message is being supplanted into your subconscious you know you know who made a newer version of this same song who Kendrick oh yeah 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 on um i yeah i uh i think i is 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 this i and then but he also used this beat on um the heart part 3 i believe okay uh, so that also ties into Kendrick as well. Yeah. But yeah, that is it's just a drowsing and intoxicating feel of this production. The it's motivating. Um, like I said before, um, it, it takes me to so many sounds. Like I said, it takes me to Kendrick with the heart part four. It takes me to Absol with where there's lines about shine your light. And um on Illuminate, Absol has lines about, you know, about shining your light, about, you know, I'll give you all my light. I'll give you all of the shine, you know, I'll give you all of my light. Like just that that transcendent of of your light of spreading yourself and being open and as umi says you know you know basically try to do what's right try to be what's right try to have faith and confidence in yourself and just keep moving man back when nike and jordan used to make really cool uh, videos they used this song in the background because it's motivational man motivational music um Man, this, you, like I said before, like you don't want this song to ever stop. It's one of those tracks that is like, it puts you in a good mood. You can put it on, on in the morning. The first thing you hear, this should, this should be your alarm clock. Yep. This will get you going on your day. It'll make you quit your job. It'll make you do something else and go after your passion. Yep. Like for real, for real. Live your best life. It'll lead, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that what leads me into the lyrics here. I was looking for the lyrics, man, but... um. Uh, what does he say? And it's very, very, very basic and practical. Yeah, uh, and and this ain't even the most like lyrically dense, complicated says it. bars, but it still resonates so profoundly. He says it from the beginning. I don't want to write this down. I just want to tell you how I feel right now. But my favorite part, my favorite favorite part is, I ain't no perfect man. I'm trying to do the best that I can. With what it is I have. With what it is I have. I ain't no perfect man. I'm trying to do the best that I can. Because, I mean, and that's why it's motivational. Because at the end of the day, that's all you can do. You oh, can. That's it. Oh, my bad. <laughs> that's, I thought it was my turn. That's, that, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's basically all you can do with life. Is just do the best that you can in, with literally with what you have. The opportunities, the chances that you get. Take advantage of them. That's ba- carpe diem, you know. Live for the day, like live that day the best that you can with what you have. You can't, you can't change what you have, except by doing the things you can to acquire and and build upon upon it. Very true. But you have to use the resources available to you at that time, and so, 
again, that's why I say to me it's like just so motivational is is uplifting because again, that's basically the philosophy I live by is I'm just trying to I'm I'm just trying to make it, man. I'm trying to just do the best I can. As we all. That's 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 I, it. I just wanna say this song, Umi says, is my number one shower song. <laughs> I'll have to break down my shower track list and and and, and let you know, but uh, I'd say definitely it's like I said, it's on my top twenty, uh, most likely top ten hip hop songs of all time. So, um, but yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't, I have to do a list. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be like Joe Budden. I got three hundred songs on my list, but uh, the next track, uh, New World Order. Um, new it, world water. Oh, I said new world water. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> new but, world water. New world water. Um, I'm thinking of WWE. <laughs> um, was it WWE or WWE? I don't know. One of those. Anyways, wrestling. But anyways, um, WCW versus NWO. Yeah, that's right. There you go. There you go. That Wolf Pack. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, what I would say is, um, the first thing that came to, c- comes to mind when hearing this production on this actual, uh, the new world water. Is that kind of uh, kids play or uh, like um, toy production sound that 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 toy right box? There. Yeah, that yeah. toy box kind of sound. Psycho-less. And and exactly that's that definitely is a Beat Nuts, I guess, signature sound or, or, or feel, and it definitely gives energy, even though Umi says is low kind of an energy in feel, but it, again, it's still motivating. This brings it right back up yeah, to yeah. what you had prior to um, that song with Busta Rhymes, which uh, again I think it was very smart to keep the energy changing to give dynamics, and you can hear that throughout the actual album. Like mm-hmm. it'll be one song that will maybe you know consider it being a little low energy or just chill, mm-hmm. you know, a little fallback track, and then right after it, boom, you get the energy, you get the lyrics, you get the energy, you know, just to wake people up uh, listening to it. Um, one of my favorite lines on this uh, on this track is. You can laugh and take it as a joke if you wanna, but it don't rain for four weeks some summers, and it's about to get real wild in the half. You buying El- you buying Avion just to take a fucking bath, <laughs> balling. <laughs> um, he just you know what like uh, this is another track that we were talking about with the homie Miguel. Uh, you know before he passed away, he's like, yo, you gotta check this this song out in particular because it's a song just about water. <laughs> That's like it was as simple as that. Yeah. This song is just purely about water, and but also yeah. bringing in you know the, the times that we're in. You know, water is scarce. There's people that are poor. There's people that are rich. There's that battle between good and evil, like all of that. But you know, it it's it's a it's a track that goes. It's a song that goes with the track. The title of the track, which is just purely about water. Yeah, and but, and even though water is such a simple. Thing social he, economics, he goes into that. so many, as you just mentioned, so many uh, derivations of how water can affect things on a more uh, social, e- economical level, on a political level, on, on a cultural level, on a environmental level, like on the, all those aspects that he broaches. And then I want to, that like I said, um, it kind of brings me to the idea of about Mick Jenkins with his The Waters album, his love album, again, expounding span, upon. Um, a simple or a considered simple topic and expounding upon that into a variety of ways. Um, I wonder if this particular track inspired Mick Jenkins to do that whole album about water. I, I would love to ask him and see. Let's go ask him. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, let's go ask <laughs> anybody out there if you know Mick Jenkins. Ask him if uh, that was uh, his inspiration or part of the inspiration for that album. Let's DM him right now. Yeah, we'll get him on the line. Rock and Roll is an interesting song. And what I'll say is, again, don't call me on this Twitter world, Facebook, social, uh, or Insta- Instagram, kill me. But <laughs> Internet police. Yeah, internet police don't <laughs> kill me out here. But I think, from my recollection, this is the first hip-hop artist not to work with or have a rock and roll sound in their music, but to be... For it to be incorporated into the production as not a collaboration project, more of a built for the album. Like yeah. Run DMC with Aerosmith, uh, Walk This Way, that was a collaboration. Like Cannabis did it on his album. But that's post. Yeah. That was post Black on Both Sides, right? Yeah. I think that was in 2002. No. The can Cannabis? I, can, I bust, the can I Bust album was 98, so it was before so it was a, this one. Okay. Or same time, actually. It was 80, 1998 or 1999, same time. Hmm. Uh, so, same time. I would say same time. Did um, he... Br- but what, was that was that a sample? It, it, was that a, just a sample? And it was produced by uh, White Clef. The song was produced by White Clef. Yeah, but I'm saying, was the rock sam- was the rock parts just sampled? Or was it... Pro- because this one was... Yeah, it has a... This has a sample, but this also has actual... Like a real rock... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they made a rock part. No, that, those are real drums. Those are those are most. That's dead. what I mean. That's what I mean. It, yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. I think okay. this might be the first where like it was actually produced. A rock production was produced for a hip hop album, versus piecing something together to make it hip hop. Yeah, it was for this track. Okay. No, you're right. Yeah, I think this might be the first. Don't quote me on it, but that's how I felt anyways. If it's mm-hmm. not the first, that's how I felt like this. I felt like it was revolutionizing. Uh, hip hop taking taking us to another step, taking our uh, uh, progressing the 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 culture further um, with this album. He says, "Elvis Presley ain't got no soul. Little Richard is rock and roll. You may dig on the Rolling Stones, but they didn't come up with that shit on their yeah. own." <laughs> and that line right there made me think about. Well, of course, he's talking about cultural appropriation and uh, music being stolen by by whites from blacks and. It made me think of this was this album was in '99, Cadillac Records, which was he played in the movie came out 2008, so almost ten years, and he plays Chuck Berry, who is a black man who basically like revolutionized rock and roll, and then was later had a lot of his hits, his music, his sound stolen by other artists, some of them Elvis Presley. Um, so like just how that kind of came together like he's talking about this even before he got the role like just how how crazy that worked how how things work his knowledge is there that's what i mean like the knowledge was there before he got the role like so kind of like who's to say that he would have got that role if he didn't have that knowledge prior being ready it takes me back to what umi says like doing the best you can with what it is you have part of that is being prepared so when opportunities come you can take advantage of them. Yeah. And like he's ready for that by just always staying true to his craft and diving deep into the craft, trying to understand more about it, more and more about it. And with this song, I thought it was just interesting that uh, juxtaposition of, like I said, the cultural appropriation, and then he plays the actual person that had a lot of his art appropriated. Message. Everybody should be on that hype. Everybody should be on that same hype that Mos Def. 
Most Def has taught me a lot. Deep, deep, go dig deep into your craft, what you believe in, your passion. Again, I'm going to bring it back to passion. Man, that's what you should be doing every single day. No, that's right. Now, I will say this, though. What about that second half of that song? <laughs> I'm gonna be real. When I first, when I first, when I first got the album, and I got to this part, like I was listening, and then I was like, what did I, say I thought earlier? something happened. I thought I was like, I was like, what happened to my album? Like, oh, shit. I was like, shit. Oh shit, did it skip? Yeah. Into a whole different album. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say earlier? I was like, oh, this is when it gets weird. Hey, <laughs> no, because at that time, at a young age, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm straight hip hop man. I got a beanie on. I'm wearing the same sweater every day. You know, jam sport backpack, that whole feel. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. whole backpack feel. And this song comes on, and I listen to the first half, and then the second half, I tune out and I skip. No lie. Like I used I first, to do the same thing. When too. I first, there's a lot of these tracks that I actually skip through just because it was above my head. Now that I'm older, I'm paying attention to the lyrics. You know, you go back to shit. You always go back to shit. You know, and, and again, I bring it back to like I hate that I have so many albums that I gave away. Now I want to bring them back and listen to it. This is that. This is that track that we actually listened to the whole thing, no problem. But I yeah. said, this is when it gets weird. Yep, yep. <laughs> but go ahead. What's your what's your uh, take upon that second half of the track? Because it switches up. So yeah. for, for those who don't know and want to get into the track, this is rock and roll. He starts off talking about the history of rock and roll and what he feels about how the state of rock and roll is and what he believes what is real rock and roll. And then it goes into a straight ska punk it's, called, of, it's, it's kind of like, like it's like a punk slash I'm getting somewhat like of a London rock feel too. Yeah, just um, rugged ah just screaming. Yeah, a lot of screaming loud and just percussions all over the place. It's not even like yeah. it might not even sound on on beat to you. It sounds like what it is, it sounds like rebellion. It's 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 what rock transitioned to after it was appropriated. So it's it, it does fit and it makes sense because oh, yeah. he's talking about how rock was appropriated and then he's he's basically going through the transition all the way from basically giving us a rock history of where it began and then at the end what you hear is what it sounds like now. Yeah, yeah. What it turned, or what, what sound what, at what that time. Into. Yeah, what it sounded at that time and what it turned into. Um I thought it was interesting in the very beginning like you said I would skip it because I was like I don't know. Um, later, I did mature into to understanding and, and coming up with that, I, or, or understanding what he was trying to say with, with it and, and what was the purpose of it. Because if you notice anything with most deaf, as we talked about, he's meticulous in his craft. So he there's nothing that's just on there just to be on there. There's no sound that's on there just to be on there. There's just not, oh, let me just throw this on there. No, it, it has a purpose. It has a function. Um, we might not always know what that function is, but he does from the artist's perspective. Next, you have Know That. For me, I don't have much to say about Know That besides uh, I do like Talib Kweli getting on it. It's very Black Star-esque in its sound. It's, it was good to see them that they're still, you know, working together. That They had to do this track. Yeah, but, It was one of those things like you can tell like yeah. they had to do this. This is after uh, Black Star, the solo, I mean, the, the group uh, album. Mm-hmm. And then you have this track. It just keeps that, it keeps that vibe. It keeps them together. You know what I mean? They, they came as a package. Yeah, and then after that you have Climb. Climb had that uh, a very cinematic feel to it in in production, and then lyrically you can just see that it's escalating as the as the track progresses. That each each line it's 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 building upon the line prior, trying to get you to this pinnacle um, that you reach. I love that it has uh, Vinia Mojica on there, and she is one of like the most I would say underrated R and B artists. 
of that era of the time, and she was always on these soulful ass tracks. Got to give her so much credit on being on this on this song. That's the singer in the background of this song. Uh, you can go back into her catalog. She worked with so many people during that time, um, even big names, and it just it just brings in that just feel good, and it and it, it actually it brings us back because you know, just like the track right before it was all over the place mm-hmm. and you know, there's a high energy. Then it goes into this track where it's just all right, cool. Now it's time to chill a little bit, relax, sit back, take a drink. Boom! Like you get that feel. Yeah, chill out. Yeah. Um, but she's so dope. She's such a great singer, and she just she makes tracks. Like without her, I don't see this track existing. Mm. And there's there's a yeah, lot. She of, definitely elevates it. Yeah, and there was a lot of collaboration with uh, Vinia Mojica with with Most Def. Yeah, I mean they have a good vibe, a good chemistry, and oh, yeah. and their vocal patterns just they 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 vibe together sonically. After climb, you got Brooklyn, and the very beginning lines of Brooklyn. I believe it's from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Is it Under the Bridge? I believe it's Under the Bridge. It's from a Red Hot Chili Pepper song. I think it's Under the Bridge. Off top, I couldn't tell you. <clears throat> um, because I, Cause I'm hungover. I like Red Hot Chili Peppers. So, <laughs> I mean, I like that song in particular. The The guitar on it is pretty, pretty awesome. But anyways, uh, that's the music nerd in me coming out. But um, I love how this this track is just broken down mm, into segments. Yeah. Um, not too many people were doing that at that time either. So it was actually something new. Or just at least something creative out of a, out of an album. If you're listening to a, an album and you're listening to one artist the whole time, you may or may not get bored, right? Let's just be honest. But this track right here, you know, goes into different vibes. Yeah, it definitely. And, it, and it's all about being at home, all about being Brooklyn, yeah. all about being proud of where you come from. It has a, it's very New York in sound, and that's. That's another thing that I want to talk about. Um, I got in a conversation with a friend of the podcast, actually. Uh, you might listeners out there heard, heard him, uh, Benjamin Ananawo. And we were talking about uh, the different sounds in different regions and talking about how New York is sounds are, are tend to be different than California, West Coast, East Coast, Southern. And one of the characteristics that's associated with New York sound is a result of, is a result of its environment. And that's that New York is, especially in the city, New York City, you have a lot of people on top of each other, a lot of people crowded next to each other, um, buses, a loud sound, it's very noisy because there's so many people in a small space. So you get that in the production of, especially of, in hip-hop. Think about think about Br- Brooklyn sound producers. It's a lot of, it's more intricate sounds usually, sounds that are harsher, sounds on top of sounds, clashing sounds. Um, you get where, as uh, Ben brought up to me, and it made very much sense is, and then you go to the South, and you get a lot of open sounds, open horns, and then you get the West, you get a bounce because of our laid-back mentality of mm-hmm. just our, a different, a, a different, yeah, a different funk vibe, which has more uh, melodic tones than you get in, like I said, in the East Coast, because of, it's just a, the different vibe, different environment yep. produces the different sounds. And so... With this particular track, it's very Brooklyn. A lot of sounds, a lot of clashing sounds, a lot of different. And then, but even within that, because that, again, makes it sound like there's a kind of uh, pigeon holding the sound. But no, you can still get a lot of different sounds even with that environment. Oh, yeah. Um, as is present on this album, or this particular track. 
Um, you get some parts of it that have a gritty, energetic feel. And then you get other parts that have a more carefree, uh, loose feel. Just on the same particular song, but it still has the cohesiveness that you would want. And he uh, he ends it with the sample from uh, Who Shot Ya, uh, the Biggie, yeah. the Biggie uh, Who Shot Ya. And he ends it with Flossy Cats Get It Snatched Like a Local Tax. The place I sharpened up my baritone vocals at where one of the greatest MCs was a local cat. Mm. Just talking about Always home. giving out big. Just always giving out bigs to big. Man, such a strong song. Very strong song. And, I mean, it's fitting that he ended it that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, Brooklyn's own. So, after that, you have Habitat, which, again, think about... Just th- again, looking at the layout, you have Brooklyn where you're talking about your home, the, the place you live at. Then the next song after that is Habitat, where that some might be saying, well, that's the same thing. But nah, if you listen to the lyrics, it's not quite the same thing. You know what I mean? He's uh, Brooklyn's more about the love of Brooklyn, where Habitat's more about the. I thought it was all one song. The strife and tribulations <laughs> that you have smooth. to deal with in Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that that's how smooth it is, though. That's how smooth it is. And these both both of these tracks actually take me to uh, uh, Dave Chappelle's Block Block Oh, Party. Block Party, yeah. That's the feel I get yeah. from 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 uh, from Brooklyn, and then going into Habitat. It makes me feel about uh, really really good about that that video, that DVD. Yeah, I mean, I remember when that came out. It gives you that vibe of family, man. Family of the art. When all good, and not not even not even family of each other, just family of hip hop. When all good music meets. Yeah, and gets together in a physical form. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's all good music, all good good artists, and then they come together and they just form just a fucking beautiful thing. Uh, block party. When uh, I saw an interview of um, Questlove talking about the feelings that he had, or like about Block Party, and he was like, the last day he felt he was like he can tell that this was something that was like magical, like it was something that. We'll have other moments where we'll feel like, you know, really good. But he's like, there won't be another moment where you have these many people all together that really were all about one thing. Yep. And that's hip hop. Like that that it was about the music. There was And as you're watching Especially it, those levels of egos and stars for them all to care about one one thing and just have that energy and enjoyment. That's a magical, magical moment and in music. you see that as you're watching it from the beginning. That's why I bring it up. It's such a dope uh, uh, compilation movie. It's a movie uh, that Dave Chappelle and Quest Love put together. But you see that building from the beginning, the same energy that you're talking about, of how it just, all these things come together, and it's you'll never see that ever again. But they had one mission, to have everybody do a dope-ass free, a free block party for the Brooklyn neighborhood. Like right there in the heart of where Biggie grew up too. For the people. Right where Biggie grew up. For not even for the people, for the culture. And then yeah. the people got enjoyment out of it. Like it, like that's a so byproduct dope. of it. Like that's crazy. Yeah, that I mean, that that's just one of those those moments in hip hop that you just you're just happy that, that we got to share in and it. Most you know Def I mean? is on the drums in that in that uh in that movie. Uh you know, he's he's teaming up with uh the roots. Yeah. Plus, uh, Plus uh, Love yeah, and Plus the Love Roots. Uh, you know, putting the music together. So Shows him how versatile this guy is. That he's he's not only an MC, a rapper. He's an actor. He's a he's, I say uh, he's most a one def- man band. Most definitely, Andre Three Thousand, the best rapper to turn actors. Yeah, because uh, that's a good debate right there. 
I'm trying to think. Yeah, they, for me, they're the two. Top. Tupac was the best. Tupac was. Tupac was good. I'm not well. All right, then I'll put him tied. He just doesn't. I mean, unfortunately for him, he didn't have enough time to yeah, expand yeah. on his resume. Yeah, like yeah. I've seen most Def go from the dude in um, Juice. Uh, well, that but no, to see uh, most Def go from um, that thief movie okay. with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, uh, um, Italian job. Italian job. And then see him in Cadillac Records, where it's two separate types of like. That I just and then there was something else I seen. Oh, don't forget about Brown Sugar. We're watching it right no, now. No, not even. But uh, that movie where he played As a heart surgeon. I saw Mos Def play in this movie where he played the first black that perfected the uh, heart surgery. Oh, okay. And that's what I'm saying. I seen him in those three different roles, and they're all vastly different types of people, vastly different types of roles. Not dealing with music. And not and, being and an yeah, MC, not being a not, rapper, and not being and that's why I say I put him up there. No, no, Mos um, Def is really he's really good. Pac, would have would have been able to I think been as diverse too, so yeah I just put that out there. The next track it's not even would you say it's a track I would say that's more of a like an interlude esque Mr Nigga. I Dope. guess it is. No, it's an it's, it's yeah a, it's I guess a, it's a full it's, track. It's, it's yeah. a full track. It's a track in its own. Uh, it just has a different type of layout. I guess accompanied with uh, Q Tip. I really wished Q Tip would rap on this song. That's I guess that's I why. Hoping, yeah. I was, when I saw his name in the back of the cover, I was like, oh shit, Q Tip's on this. Um, but he does the hook only. Um, but still, hooking some ad libs. Yeah, and the ad libs. <laughs> it's not even a lot, right? Uh, it's so subtle, but so dope overall. It, it's you know, as the title says, it's it's just it's in your face, and it's talking about just unapologetically uh, yeah, in uh, your face, <laughs> right? And it's just about black lifestyle and the trials and tribulations that come with it. Yeah. Um. Being I just black, thought, it, yeah, driving, I thought it being black. I just thought it was an interesting way of of also, expressing a black experience in through music in, in an both, interesting way. Yeah, yeah. In, in in a good way and a bad. Yeah, way. In, in, both, yeah, both. It, it talks both. about both. Like, yeah, it, it 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 shows you, you know, what you shouldn't be doing as black and what happens to you as black. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, it, it has the it, it shows, yeah, the the many different spectrums of being black, the good, the bad, and everything in between. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you have possibly the second best song on the album after that mathematics this is like if if i want to yeah if i want to say out of all i wouldn't say it was it's the best track i would i would define it as the hardest track this is the hardest track on this album lyrically and production wise and the production is by dj premier my number one producer yeah my favorite number one producer He's time. on yo. He's uh, number Mount one. Rushmore of. Uh, he's, he's number producing. one, and Dr. Dre is second. But okay. I, I put right. Premier as number one. When it comes to my, what I love out of hip hop, this sounds that you enjoy. He he puts them together. Premier just right. puts it together. Okay. Premier does it right. So I'll just let I'll I'll just I'll leave that right there. Yeah, I'll say for yeah for me mathematics uh like lyrically lyrically most Def's going in um he's it's just it's so witty it's so um it's it's I don't want to say. Um, I, I guess the, the the word I'm looking for is just intricate as well, and which makes sense for a, a, a track called Mathematics. You know, it just it just shows you that it it felt especially at that time. I think I think the emotion that I remember feeling when I first heard my first heard Mathematics was, and you guys say that hip hop's dumb. That's 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 what it was like. And you say that hip hop's dumb. But you listen to this and you say hip hop's dumb. Like how? Like I, I just felt I was like it was saying to those like it's saying it's really pushing the boundaries of saying look how intelligent we are. 
And and this ain't even I'm not even trying to be intelligent. This is just, you know, I'm not trying to even I'm poking po- fun at yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. I'm poking fun at the fact that we can be intelligent yeah, and like, witty. Um, I would say more more now, I would say that feel is more now where we feel or not we, but the masses will see as hip hop as as dumb uh or not intelligent. Um, but at this time, at this time is when these artists were in the forefront showing and improving that hip hop is intelligent rap, the backpack rap, the the conscience rap, common. See, I have to disagree with you. I would say that they were there doing it, but I wouldn't say that the masses were seeing it that way. Because think about that time. Yeah, common. Like I feel like if you're in the hip hop world, you knew about common, you knew about Talib Kweli, you knew about Erica Badu, you knew about these people, right? But let's go. Let's go to the monetary aspect. They weren't bringing in them checks. No, but if you take it back, because th- that's what I'm saying. Like, if, and and monetary gives you some in- inclination of how accepted you are, because people gravitate to what is ex- accepted. And so, if they're not getting, the, they weren't getting those checks at that time. Yeah, they were getting the spots because hip hop. I felt at that time we weren't big enough to the point that the the true art was getting hidden. You know what I'm saying? Like. When when it gets oversaturated or you know the, it gets taken over and gets sold out, like the true art's hard to find. You have to be really into it. Like as we were saying, the backpack rappers, you have to find you you like. You can go to a lot of people that say they like hip hop and they don't know about cannabis. They don't know about Rakim. They don't know about you know the the history of of it. I just remember like when I would talk about Common, when I would talk about Talib, when I would talk about Most Def, even at the around this time of this album. There's very few people that knew about it. They knew about the songs, they knew about the video, but they didn't know about the album. That's what I mean. Like they didn't like they they didn't they didn't hear mathematics. They heard Miss Booty, uh, Miss Fat Booty, because that was the song, the video, the that single. Was the single. But that's it. No, what I'm trying to say is that this this time, this era defines what was being phased out. Okay. So, but before this, but prior to 1998, let's go back in time and let's just really quick just show you from the years of, let's just say, 93 to 96 was an awesome year for hip hop. That was the, well, I would say, golden age I would say yeah. 90, 89, 90 to 96 was mm. the golden era of hip hop where this type of rap, most deaf type, type of rap Would've was, been a- was the the shit yeah it, it was the only version of hip hop that you I got hear you. okay because it didn't deviate into other things yet uh, okay I I I, I, so, I I agree with you I'm I'm with you on that one um and 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 that was let me go back to that like this type of conscious rap this type of lyrical rap hip hop um rather was for the masses that was popping for the masses then ninety six and forward, you start getting more of the jiggy rap, the the flashy shit, the Mace Puff Daddy yeah, yeah. era, uh, and then everything that came out after that, right? So it changed. But this pocket of time, this 1997, 98, 99, 2000, to me, this is, at this moment of time, there was no dumb rap. Or there was no people, there, was, there wasn't the media saying that there were dumb rappers. Or hip hop in general was dumb. Like this is actually the the point of hip hop where it solidified that hip hop is not. See, I don't, dumb. I don't see it that way. Yeah. 
See, the way that I, well, and again, I got to look back and I might be misremembering it, but the way that I see it around this time is that, yes, it was becoming more accepted in the masses, hip-hop was, but it wasn't, it wasn't because of its consciousness. It was just because of the sounds Sound. were being more yeah. acceptable. Because we were straying away from, we are going to more acceptable sounds, more toy box, more not as heavy, gritty productions. At least that's the way I remember it. Um, but maybe, yeah, maybe I'm right. not. But because I just remember conversation. I remember seeing like shows like Oprah, Geraldo. Not, not really seeing them, but hearing people talk about them, saying, you know, oh, these rappers this, these rappers that, and it was never in it. Yeah, it was never that. in a positive light about yeah. that. You know that they're that they were conscious that they were trying to say anything about uh, elevating the community. Because what they were seeing was was being promoted to the, to the masses exactly as negative and totally ris- disregarding this era, this group, that's this what I mean, genre of hip hop, this part of hip hop. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, but um, I want to go ahead and recite a line. I'll go ahead if if you don't mind. Give give the people them bars, as <laughs> as Jalen and Jacoby say. Give the people what they want. They want the bars. Uh, what does he say? He goes. Crack mothers, crack babies, and AIDS patients. Young bloods can't spell, but they can rock you in PlayStation. This the new math is whipping motherfuckers' ass. You want to know how to rhyme, you better learn how to add. It's mathematics. Woo! If you ever question most Def's bars, lyrics, listen to that line again. Like, just in that one line, so much, so much information. So much was said. Yeah, so much was said in that one line, and that's one line off of off of off of that off of that. I'm sure there's probably at least sixteen. I know there's at least sixteen the in there. It's probably like thirty two. Yeah. yeah, the whole song is a quotable. So um, again, he is talking about math. The song is called Mathematics. He breaks down things simple to life, simple what we're going into, but he actually puts knowledge behind it by. Putting some mathematics and science behind it. Yeah, he it. puts math and uh, mathematical theories in, in, into into logic. into life, and that takes a lot of skill. You can ask a mathematician; that's what they do. They they use they apply math to life, realistic life. So again, this is one of those great albums. The the album ends with May to December, which was another interesting look because if you the way that it begins, the way that it ends wasn't what you were typically getting with albums. You know, they usually wanted the intro. They wanted you to get hit with bars early to make sure that you know I, I got them, and they would always end with bars too, or you know something hard hitting, something with strong bars, and you get an instrumental at no the end. No time wasted. Yeah, you get an in, yeah you're gonna get it, and on here you get an instrumental from for May to December is the final track. The instrumentation on it is so is soothing and 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 beautiful. Um, Transitions. Yeah. Ooh. And and yeah, and it transitions and builds as as you're listening too. So it does feel the thing that just talking about it now reminds me of uh, Lupe Fiasco's uh, what's the name of that Tetsuo and Youth, that album of how the instrumentation on the summer, uh, fall, spring that they have uh, that kind of instrumentation. This uh, that album, this album reminds me of that. Actually, in reverse because this album came first. Yeah. But I just thought it was very interesting and and more interesting than the fact that um, Most Def was a key component in the production for it. It just really shows you his artistic. And again, like I, we've been saying throughout this, that he's really cognizant of of the sounds that he wants for his projects. 
Yeah, on this uh, track alone. And how to curate those sounds. He's doing the uh, the bass and vibraphone. I don't even know what the hell a vibraphone is. <laughs> sounds dope. He does everything. Keyboards, drums, congas, percussions. 88 Keys was on this. Uh, helped, Keys. helped, or um, worked with most definitely the production. They collaborated Keys, for this. One of the dopest producers of that time, too. Made a lot of the tracks for, uh, for uh, Ruckus uh, record artists. So... Now that we've gone through each track on this album, I'll, I'll, for me, I'll wrap this up and say that, uh, you know, this is, I really enjoy going back into these albums and having these discussions with you, man, because uh, it gives new insight on old treasures. You know, we've had, takes you back, and, and then having these discussions, it allows me to relate it to other albums that, like, I would have never thought about the t- Lupe Fiasco, Tsu and Youth. Um, I just literally thought of it now, just talking about it. So, it makes me want to revisit that album and see how deep of a connection those two will have in that instrumentation, things of that nature. It just opens up doors for exploration of music even more. And for me, that's just, that's that's the passion. That's the love. That's why we do it. So finding different ways to improve on that passion and find even more little intricate details and, and share stories is even better for me going down through it. So I think this is a classic album. I really, really enjoy it and I go to it often. And I get mad at myself that I don't go to it more often. But that shows how great it is. Albums like this are forever growing to me. And what I mean by that is that it came out at a certain time, but we go back to it. We go back to it and we're still learning shit from it. Like it hasn't gone anywhere. This music hasn't changed. It's the same song. It's the same track. And we can go back to it and learn something new from it. And even better, and and, and still, it, it, we still haven't grasped everything. Even at this time, uh, this this album came out what ninety nine. Yep. And what year is it now? Still learning from this album, bro. Along with a, a lot of these albums that I actually gravitate to, and I bought. You know, I physically purchased these, and I carry, I carry to, I carry, uh, hold on to these for a very long time. Jay Z brought it up into one of his latest podcast with um rap radar with rap radar he he he's like he he's he was explaining to uh elliot wilson uh and the other guy um i forgot his name um but yeah i can't think of the name <laughs> um but rap radar he was yeah i know who they are <clears throat> what he was saying is that uh you know people to this day are still pulling information and in, and in, in still growing with the albums long after it even came out and then going back into it and still learning you know what it, what these words what these lyrics are all about these songs these titles albums the concepts everything that actually put it together there's still stuff that we're still discovering until now and actually paying attention to it and it's not going over our heads but there's on that's, top of that there's still more to to learn that's what that's what great art will do in any form um, great books with any art if they're great or good enough they're timeless, and that's that's what they are. They're timeless because they they connect in ways that, regardless of what time or space is, it relates on a human level, uh, on human emotions that that go beyond again any time. So that just speaks again to the level of work that he put down on this album. And that's what I'm always trying. Either I try my best to teach people if I have time to sit down and I start playing music in the background. And my main message is that good music is forever. I never want to put a time limit. But, you know, nowadays people will be like, oh, that's, you know, from 99, that's hella old, that's a throwback, or whatever it may be. They kind of just already kind of pigeonhole it or, like, kind of just categorize it. But good music is good music. It's going to be forever. 
Just like when we listen to Michael Jackson, that's forever. Yeah. Prince, that's forever. forever. Madonna, that's forever. Yeah. Selena, that's forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the list goes on. Shit, Bach. <laughs> Classical <laughs> music. You know what I'm saying? Like we yeah. we still marvel at Mozart's um, you know, symphonies. Yeah. And, and still trying to interpret that. You know what I'm saying? So like great music will live on forever. And and the other thing that I I tell people often too is it doesn't matter. It's not when you discover the music. It's mm-hmm. just that you, it's just that you do. Like it's there's never a time when it's like, oh, that's bad that I figured found this out. No, take it from me. Take, it's it's better to find it than never find it. I got this album way, way, way after you know most Dev was already known. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I'm already I was late on this album, um, along with other albums uh, on on you know, during that time. I knew I knew most Dev through Black Star and all the tracks that he made together with. Uh, High tech and also uh, Tali Kuali. Then I got onto this, and then just everything kind of leads into your own time. I would say find your own time mm-hmm. to get into it because that would be the best time yeah, because, to dive into an album yeah, with more of your energy focused on what the album is all about. Very true. And sometimes that album might not be, you might not be ready for that album at that time. Oh, yeah. And that like will it, always happen. It, it, it might be over your head and you might not feel it or you might not be in an emotional state to absorb it. You might not be in the mental t- state to absorb it. You might just, there's so many factors that go into it. So when you find it, you find it. Like uh, Bob Marley says, when music hits, you feel all right. You know what I'm saying? So so hit, hit us with music. Thank you for listening to another Stay Woke podcast and listening to another episode or segment of the Take It Back with D-Ray and DJ William West. This was today's segment of That Was Most Deaf, Black on Both Sides, again, which was released in October 12, 1999. If you haven't given a listen, give it a listen. Tell us what you think about that album. Tell us what your favorite tracks on that album is. Tell us where you were when you first purchased it. Also, give us some ideas of other albums that we should take it back to. Um, other years we should take it back to shit even other genres we should take it back to uh, just give us some feedback let us know you can email us your feedback at cofounder at the com or hit us on instagram that's stay woke podcast with d-ray or the signing breakdown on instagram facebook and twitter or you can hit william west give them your your instagram and twitter again you know what i'm saying so they can contact you and leave comments as well definitely hit me up um it is at underscore M-R-W-E-S, and that's Mr. West, underscore Mr. West. There you go. So go follow us. Go subscribe on our YouTube pages. And again, you know our motto, live, listen to some great music, and above all, love more. And we out. Take it way back, way back. I'm going to listen to this again and watch Brown Sugar the Movie. Peace.